Welcome to the Medical Management Podcast, a podcast focused on helping you level up your practice. Through interviews with some of the most successful leaders in the industry, we help uncover resources, tools, and ideas to help you level up your practice. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's program. Hello, and welcome back to the Medical Management Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Arnoldson. I'm here today with Jay Holmes, and we're going to dive into a book review. This is something kind of new that we we haven't tried before, but we want to start pushing more of the best ideas that we're coming across to our audience. And whether that be a podcast, a speaker, a YouTube video, or a book. And Jay and I have kind of set some lofty goals this year of how many and what kind of books we want to read. And we've come across quite a few good ones. But today, the one that Jay and I are going to spend some time on is called The Coaching Habit by Michael Bungay Stainer. Jay, welcome back to the show. Thanks, man. Excited to be on the other side of the mic here. Yeah, yeah. It's good to trade off. I'm excited to read this because we've been talking so much about coaching being a skill for our MedMed administrators, being an essential skill for practice management success. What kind of piqued your interest in seeking out a book like this? That's an amazing question, Jesse. And to answer that, let's dig deep here. You know, the reality, speaking from a MedMan perspective, is that traditionally MedMan is, you know, is, is a practice management company and, and we've had the opportunity to hire well-seasoned administrators for a long, long time. And we were able to do that because there were more independent groups that were of a decent amount yeah. of, of size. And so in, in for a while, our sweet spot was what, like seven or eight providers plus. And the landscape is changing significantly where there's a lot more smaller independent groups. A lot of the bigger groups have been been gobbled up by systems or or venture capitalists and things like that. And so we're shifting, the landscape's shifting in that we have younger, greener administrators and managers that we're, we are supporting. And as such, and, and I think that's not just the, um, just our current landscape, but I think that's changing. That's industry-wide, right? Absolutely. And certainly there's, um, I think that there has been a shift and I think we feel it with a younger generation and, and kind of the way we learn has changed a bit too. And so I think there's just a huge opportunity. We're seeing it and we're feeling the lack of coaching and, and yeah. really coaching up and training. And, and so I've been really, really interested in finding a way to, for us to do this better mm-hmm. because I feel like we have a couple of administrators. Well, let's just say over the course of MedMan's history, there's been plenty of administrators that really could have been helped and elevated more. And so thinking through that and wondering, hey, you know, we should be better at this. And if we see this as a, a competency that that would help a lot more administrators, not just in our organization, but outside of it. Why don't we start learning how to be the best coach we can? And that's really what pushed it and just how it goes. You know, you, you have a list of books that you hear about from other readings or other podcasts, and, and this was on it. And so decided to push that forward and order it, showed up. And it's one of those books that kind of sweep you off your feet. I read it in what, about three days? Oh man, yeah, that's a fast one. And so it's certainly we'll probably getting to this, but it's short enough but it's packed mm-hmm. in a good way to make it just an easy read and an engaging one that you just want to read more. You want to get through it. You really want to have this comprehension. I love those. Those are the ones that like all of a sudden I'll realize I'm two hours into to reading. And in contrast, there are books that I'm like, you know, 
I just have 30 minutes left to listen to this thing. And it's taken me three weeks to finish that 30 minutes because I just can't get engaged. So I'm excited to, to follow your lead and read it. Well, Jay, what do you think Steiner's purpose was in writing The Coaching Habit? You know, from the heart of it, it's really a coaching book, right? But I think it was really to create a framework for managers, but but I guess people in general, to be more effective at coaching, which you translate into empowering the people that surround them. Mm-hmm. And it's more of a, a how-to with a framework to do such. Okay, okay. Who do you think this was meant for? Who is it? Who's the target audience? At the base of it, it's leaders, managers. But I don't think that's necessarily all. It really it encompasses everybody because I think everybody has the opportunity to have coaching moments where someone's looking at them for, you know, advancement in themselves, a better understanding in the world around them. And this is what this this book does. So I, th- I think it's really for any human being that has some ambition to to better help the people around them. You know, one of the things that's been on my mind, because you and I have talked about coaching a little bit more over the last couple of months. And as a practice manager, I think sometimes you feel like maybe instead of a business degree, you should have gotten a counseling degree. And, and that you could have made a lot better impact on the people around you because sometimes you just, you're like, oh man, am I giving the right advice here? Am I telling them how to fix their problems in the right way? And maybe the compromise is just not to go back to school to become a psychiatrist, but to identify that coaching skill and, and work on it. And so I see the target audience from our podcast being ideal for who Steiner was writing this book for is practice managers have so many people that they are constantly counseling and coaching, it better be a skill that they're working on. Just as much as finance or their ability to forecast or think strategically, they better be skilled coaches. 100%. Let's not stop there, right? Because there's certainly probably providers, owners, and just on the clinical side, on the, the business management, the office support side too, that I think it translates very, very well. So yeah, absolutely. Good. You were telling me this was a like, kind of an easily readable book, but tell me a little bit more about that. Why Why was it so, why were you able to get through it in three days? It's a perfect combination of how-to mm-hmm. mixed in with really good studies, data, and, and stories. And Michael's just a great writer, so it makes it really enjoyable to read and really engaging. It pulls you in. It pulls you to the next thing. They're not really long chapters. It's not like you, you know, you're feeling like, man, this is just filler. Why don't we just get to something? It's mm-hmm. always something and it moves you along really fast. Good. Jay, what's the greatest value of this book? Why should somebody be reading it? I think that this book really gives you a roadmap where it's not just theory, it's actual implementable. That might be a new word. I'm not sure. I'm not that confident of that. But you can implement it. You can take it and say, hey, I, I can actually do something with it. And it provides the context and the knowledge on top of that. Mm-hmm. And so you feel like you know, you, you know why you're doing the what but it also gives you a pretty thorough what so that you feel like you have some control in, in actually implementing it. And you know, it starts with this realization that most people want to give advice. And I think there's a perfect segue of what you're talking about as a manager, that people come to you and say, I want your help to solve a problem. And our first instinct is to give them what we think is the solution to their problem. But what that does is that doesn't elevate them. It creates a codependency. Mm -hmm. And so to be a good coach, it's guiding them through questions so that they can arrive at that destination, at that answer. And through that process, they build the confidence. They build those pathways, neural pathways to do it more often and better. 
you know, so it's, it's the shift giving advice to asking questions. And so the book understands the book, let's say Michael understands that what we're really talking about is trying to change a habit. We are advice giving human beings. That's our habit. And so he really pulls that up front and center and says, look, I'm going to give you a bunch of great advice, which is funny, right? Because he's <laughs> given us advice that I do. But um, <laughs> he says, hey, I'm going to give you some tools. I'm not going to say advice, but I'm going to give you some tools in the form of questions. But let's be real. If you're going to be successful in doing this, we need to work on how you can change your habit of giving advice. And so he kind of goes through that, hey, here's a cue. Once you have that trigger, then replace it with this. And it works through kind of this habit changing format. Mm -hmm. So we spent some time talking about that, knowing that, hey, you know, if you don't find the trigger of your urge to solve a problem or your urge to tell someone everything you know, then you'll never get to that question asking phase. So it's really cool how he works through that and lets us understand that you're not going to be successful in asking questions unless you identify those moments that you feel the urge to give advice, replace that urge with a question. And you're going to be better off. And, and then he really boils it down to seven powerful questions to navigate most of these, these situations. I like that. I feel that urge constantly and, and only recently have started to identify it as maybe not the right move, right? Like maybe I'm not in a place to give advice. Maybe I should be approaching this differently. And questions is a good way to, to do that. I think it was from Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead, where she pointed out that you don't have to be the knower. In fact, daring leaders are okay not knowing uh, the answer to everything and asking more questions and showing their underbelly and that they don't have the answer to everything. And, and that's where I started to see like, oh my gosh, I just jumped straight to solutions. I jumped straight to advice giving. And so maybe that's uh, the questions are the right way to, to replace that. Do you have any, can you get a little bit more specific? Do you have any specific takeaways or additional takeaways for that you got from the coaching habit? Totally. Let's, let's jump into them. Stop asking why questions. Michael really pushed on that. When we ask why questions, oftentimes we do that because we're looking for more of the backstory to solve the problem. We say, hey, why? Why, why was this? Why is that? And all you're doing is you're building up these dots. You're connecting these dots so that you can solve the problem. So instead of asking why questions, start thinking about what questions. And by doing the what questions, you get the other person to think through things that ultimately lead to them growing and them being empowered. Yeah. So six of the seven questions are not why questions, they're what questions. And, and that shifts the, I want to solve it to how can I get this person that I'm trying to coach to solve it? So there's one of them. The can, strategic I, can I jump in one thing really quick, Jay? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know where I heard this recently, but just the why questions when you're asking somebody, why do you believe that? Why do you do, why are you doing this? Or why, do, why are you so set in this opinion? It actually gives them the chance to preach all of these reasons why, and they uh, all it does is just give them another opportunity to settle themselves into the opinion they already have. And so even if you do have some advice that comes out, even if you are going to be the one that comes up with a great solution, give them advice, they've just hardened themselves one more time against any alternative idea to what they already are thinking. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was Adam Grant's okay, um, yeah. think again, there you go. Where, where absolutely all you're doing is reinforcing it. But you've asked the what question, well, what made you think that way? Or, or what things you know, what events or, or what circumstances led you to think that way, then all of a sudden you start to examining how you got there rather than stacking on more bricks to your fortress to, mm -hmm. you know, to protect that idea. And so, yeah, awesome, awesome thought. Certainly a lot for myself to learn as well. I'm here to solve your problem kind of guy because I love problems. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just the, the strategy board game 
word problem geek that was just like, give it to me because my brain loves to work that way. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's plenty to do. You know, an interesting one in the book, he talked about the strategic questioning and all these seven questions he has, you know, the kind of a title for him. And the strategic question is, is one that I think most administrators and managers find themselves more weak than strong in. And here it is. If I say yes to this, what will I have to say no to in order to do it well? And we are often enablers to the, let's try to find the right word, somewhat distracted owners of our practices Mm -hmm. that come in and say, today you get to do these 20 things. And then tomorrow I'm going to come in and say, you need to do these these 20 other things. And half of them are actually going to be the opposite direction of the first things I told you to do. And then the next day I'm going to tell you to do even more things. And we're all stuck trying to prioritize and get all this stuff done. And what we're not good at is saying time out. We have to be realistic that there's only a finite amount of things we can do well in a day. And if you add these 10 to my list of 100 already, you need to tell me which 10 I need to take off if you realistically want me to get these new 10 done. Mm-hmm. And that right there is, is, I think, one of the most powerful things that we could do. And really, you know, what, what we're calling that is managing one's plate. Yeah. You can only fill so much food on a plate, right? And so how do you manage it? And maybe that was a hor- horrible analogy, but, but that's what we've been calling it. We've called it man- plate management, management one's right? plate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, because it makes sense to you and me and, you know, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Totally. And so, so some of that, you know, so just throwing some, just kind of giving you a, an insight of kind of how Michael goes through this is that he says, okay, well, instead of saying yes fast, try to say yes a little slower next time. So it's not just a hard no. It's not just a hard no. Sometimes we have a hard time saying no to a person. We can redirect that and, and try to then, he gives a point of like, maybe you write this down and say, hey, this is your ask. And you say, kind of point to it and say, I, I can't do that rather than I, I can't do you know no to you. But he also says, start asking some questions before you fully commit. And so things like, well, why are you asking me this? And is there anyone else that you've asked before me? If you say this is urgent, what do you really mean by that? If I couldn't do all of this, what part would you have me do? Or, and you know, th- this ties in really specifically to the main question is, well, what do you want me to take off my plate in order to do this? Because we have to push back. That's our job. I believe that's one of our most important jobs is to be the reality police that we cannot do everything. Mm-hmm. The more we focus, the better we will be. So what should I not do so I can get this done? Which forces us to prioritize. And I think that's a wonderful thing. I love it. A couple other things, just to burn some more time here, yeah. is uh, it discusses a bit about how we learn, how people learn. And more and more evidence shows that we don't really learn well when someone tells us something. Mm-hmm. We don't really learn that well, even when we do something. Some people think like, oh, I'm a doer and I learn from it. But it's really, you know, when we start creating new neural pathways, it's only when we have a chance to recall and reflect on what just happened. And so one of the last questions is really, after the conversation has happened, Yes. And, you know, what's the thing that you, you learned from this? What have you gained from this conversation to cause that reflection cycle to start? And it's something I think that takes some time. But if you can get the people that you're working through, working with, to stop and then think back and go, wow, actually, this is really what I took away from this. All of a sudden, there's a reinforcement of a neural connection. And I think that per research and evidence, that's really the building block of learning. And so you can kind of, no matter what you do and you have these interactions, you always ask that, that tail question, which is, what have you learned from this? What's the big takeaway here? And the last thing, a quote that 
I'm soon going to have on my wall is by a gentleman named David Cooper Ryder. And he quoted saying, we live in the world our questions create. And I think that was, it was such a, just a profound statement and something that I really am attracted to, to say, if, if we are in pursuit of asking better questions and those better questions really lead to our future. And so let's ask really good questions. Man, I could have just sat there. You, you, you could have kept going. I was just totally mesmerized <laughs> and all that. That was, I'm, I'm excited to read this book and I hope our listeners are too. You know, we always talk about the different skills that a practice manager needs to have. And this, this hits right at the top because it's how you're going to effectively help the people around you to get the job done. You can't do this alone. You need a team of highly effective people surrounding you. Jay, I, I've learned a ton from this and I'm super excited about it. And, you know, we always end an episode saying, you know, we hope that our listeners have learned something from it or taken away something from it. But, you know, listeners directly to you, let's apply one of these questions that Jay pulled from the coaching habit. Think for a second, as you end this podcast episode, don't just move on to your next thing. Don't just hit next on the next episode. Take a moment and think, what did I learn from this episode? And let that be the first time of of many that you do and start learning about your different interactions and giving yourself time to learn from the incredible experiences that you're having. Far too often, we move too fast from thing to thing to thing. And like Jay is saying, we need a chance to learn. So take a moment and ask yourself that. Jay, thanks for sharing this with us. We're excited to pick this up as a a next read for everybody. I hope you do. And, uh, you know, send some feedback. Yeah. Let's hear about it. Yeah. Everybody, before you move too far, after you sit there and, and think about all that you learned, make sure that you hit subscribe and that way you can stay up to date on all the latest medical management content. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Medical Management Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's featured guest. For the show notes, transcripts, resources, and everything else MedMan does to help you level up, be sure to visit us at medman.com. Thank you.